You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. We've got this letter from James, and it's a fascinating letter, and it's fascinating because he is a fascinating character. I mean, imagine being the brother of the Son of God, and uh, it's a fascinating thing to think through his journey because uh, in John chapter 7, it says Jesus' brothers didn't believe, as Tom mentioned last week, didn't believe in him, and yet we've got James preaching that Jesus is the Lord. And so he's come 180. He's turned full circle on this. And he has changed his thinking completely. He's gone through a journey. And as Tom said last week, Jesus has died. Three days later has resurrected and has revealed himself to many. And I suspect that James was one of those. Because in Acts, we see James as one of the important figures Of the early church. So James has completely changed his tune from someone who didn't believe in Jesus and rejected him to someone who now proclaims him. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Nothing compares to this. And when we see, read James in light of this tone, I think the whole tone of the letter changes. I want to start with a story of a friend of mine, Esme, and my wife, and I lived in Cape Town, South Africa for five years before we came to Ipswich, and we had a friend called Marae. She had a boyfriend, and uh, she was excited about this boyfriend. She thought, this is the one. I'm going to marry this guy. I'm excited to spend the rest of my life with this guy. And she loved him, and uh, she was uh, hedging all her bets on him. <clears throat> and months later, she was thinking, uh, I'm still hedging my bets on this guy. Is he ever going to sort of pick his heels up, is he going to ask me to marry him, what's going on? And one month she said he started to behave a bit differently and she thought, oh no, I think he's going to call it a day. And he said, will you come for a walk with me? And uh, she thought, oh, and she, she got in the car with him and she was in a foul mood, she said, she was grumpy. She thought, oh, I've given so much time to this, it's all going to be a waste. They got to the beach and she got out of the car. The car guard in Cape Town is car guards who help you find a space for a few pence, really. And he smiled at her. And she said she was quite rude to him. She was just in a terrible mood. She's kind of bitter and resentful by this point. There are, there are tourists all over Cape Town. The tourists were kind of like smiling at her and letting her go through the pathway. And she said she was kind of grumpy with them. She got over the barrier and to the beach comes over the huge, they've got these huge incredible boulders that go down to sandy beaches, you know, just like we have here. And and she gets over and she sees a blanket with a picnic and a bottle of champagne and James turns and says, will you marry me? And not only, and the whole world turns upside down at that moment where she thinks, oh, it's all coming to an end and she's cross and she's grumpy. She suddenly feels convicted. Oh my word, I was completely wrong. Not only was I wrong and he wasn't going to end it, but he's committing to me for the rest of my life. He's giving everything to me. He's asking that I would give my life to him and we're going to share it forever. And I think there's something of James's story in that, where he is thinking, I saw this Jesus growing up, 
Mum and dad talked about him with angelic visitations and thought he was divine, thought he was deity, and I didn't see it. And I was even bitter and resentful and grumpy. And then I saw him risen, and my whole world turned upside down, and I came from death to life. I was so wise in my own eyes. I thought I knew it all. I was more like the Pharisees. And suddenly he's a a child of grace. And you read this letter in that mindset. And you realize this is not a stuffy letter. I've read this before and thought this is a heavy letter. You know, what we heard last week, you read it in a stuffy way. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Thanks a lot. You know, that really motivates me, steadfastness, no thanks. But you read it as somebody who's been brought from death to life with this revelation of grace, this love poured out that he's been humbled, his heart has been melted by love. And you read, count it joy when you face trials because God's at work in you. He's a good, good father, he loves you, he's got good for you. Whatever you're going through, trust God in it. As we heard last week, he's trustworthy. He's producing things in you and he promises to be with you throughout it. As we just heard from Jeremy's prayer, thank you God you are with us through all of these things. So James's letter read in this way changes the whole tone, doesn't it? You realize this is someone who's passed from death to life. He goes through many themes in this And today we're going to talk about wisdom. And and again, you get this sense of, oh, I thought I was so wise. I thought I knew better than the son of the living God. Even though I had front row seats to wisdom, I thought I knew better. So let me talk to you about what I've learned. This is the tone of this letter. He comes through, talks about the sin of partiality. Oh, Partiality being loving certain types of people who you can get on with, who you understand. And he says... I used to be like that. I used to love the people that I loved. But I saw my brother loved everybody. He loved all that he saw, the unlovable. And I want to say, don't be like I used to be. Be like God's called us to be. He talks about faith without works. He used to be a practicing Jew. He used to have faith. But I used to see my brother and he would act in certain ways. He loved people. He was active in his faith in his belief. He was obedient to the Father. Tame the tongue, he talks about later on. Again, James could say, I used to talk as if I knew it all. I used to say things without understanding. Oh, how foolish I was. Don't be like I used to be. Let me teach you from what I've learned. You see how this helps us read this letter. We come today to verses 5 of chapter 1, and then we'll go on to chapter 3 for a moment as well. He starts this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable In all his ways. Going on to chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works. 
in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. (laughs) Father, we want to thank you so much for being a good, good father. We thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you for the wisdom poured out on us through your word, the wisdom offered to us, that you are generous in giving wisdom to all. We pray this morning that you would mold us into your image, that we would clash with wisdom and come out the better for it. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Just while our eyes are closed, I'd love it if you would pray, God, speak to me this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at wisdom and seeking wisdom. First question would be, what is wisdom? Wisdom comes from the Hebrew word that means skill, skill for life. So wisdom is how to live well, skill for living. It's not so much about high IQ or intellectual ascent, not about maybe a high education level, but skill for living, how to get the best out of life, how to live the way life was created and intended and designed. So wisdom is skill for life, and it is found in God's Word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So skill equips us. Skill equips us for life. It helps us to navigate life. In the Bible, there was a man, David's son, called Solomon, who said, God said, if you want one thing, what would it be? And Solomon said, that I would hear you and that I would obtain wisdom. One thing he wanted above all things was wisdom, and God granted him his request. And he had incredible wisdom that even non-believers, non-followers of God would come and hear him. Hear, I want to hear this wisdom this man has to say. And he wrote a book called Proverbs. So Proverbs in the Bible was written by Solomon. I've got an and maybe a slightly more um, current language version here that I like to read at breakfast to my kids because I want them to grow in skill for life. I want them to understand how life works. Just this morning, fools have short fuses and explode too, all too quickly, and the prudent quietly shrug off insults. That's godly wisdom to say, this is how to behave. We have pride in us and we say I don't like insults I will give as good as I get godly wisdom says you're a fool then okay so we come under the wisdom of God and Proverbs is a famous place in the Bible where we would find the wisdom of God in succinct uh, explanations 
book of Proverbs in, and the wisdom of God is, is not so much like a TED talk. Have you seen TED talks online where you hear great insights, good research, looked into things, new understanding of things, and you hear it and you go, oh, that's so fascinating. And you walk away and you make a sandwich and you carry on with your day. The wisdom of God is more like a personal trainer that says, do this now and stands and watches and waits for you to actually do it. The wisdom of God calls us to action. We're talking about living faith through this series, living faith, that we would live a certain way in light of how God has called us to live and in light of what he's done. If you read Proverbs, you could memorize the whole book and be foolish. You could memorize the wisdom of God and the irony could be you would be foolish if you were not to put it into practice. I'm just going to look at the first five verses, I think it is, of Proverbs 1 to get an idea of what wisdom is in a bit more depth. It will be on the screen as well. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity. I'm going to pause there. Wisdom is instruction for discipline, verbal correction, call to action. It's meant to step on your toes and get you out of your comfort zone. Wisdom is meant to cause action like that personal trainer. It's not fun all the time, but you know it's doing you good. You don't always feel motivated to get there, but you always feel good that you got there afterwards. I mean, the next day it might hurt a bit, but you know you've done yourself some good. It's instruction for discipline. Wisdom is also discernment. It's how to distinguish between good and bad. You need wisdom to distinguish what's good, what's bad, but also to distinguish between what's good, what's better, what's best. Wisdom helps us distinguish between what's good and better. Discernment helps us in relationships. It helps us, is this person telling me the truth? I need some discernment here. Should I go into business with this person? Should I hire this person? Should I marry this person? Discernment helps us distinguish what's going on. What's good, what's true, and what's not. So wisdom is including discernment. Let's carry on. Verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. So it's also instruction for prudent behavior. Prudence is the ability to work well with people, not to bulldoze through things. To be charming and winsomely persuasive in a godly way. You could be correct or you could be moral and you could be very you could lose people easily. You could just bash through people and Try and force them to see it your way. And you're not being prudent in the way you're behaving. You're not being shrewd in your behavior. It enables you to work well with people and do things in a good way rather than offend and push people away. He then goes on to say wisdom um, teaches us to do what is right and just and fair. It gives you a concern for others and for society. Wisdom helps you to see what society needs, what others need, gives us discretion. We might think of discretion as the ability to hold back information and not you know, be, be careful how we speak, which is, oh, this is true. 
But discretion, discretion also in this context means how to plan and choose well. Wisdom will help you put priorities in place and connect everyday actions with the big picture. Okay, discretion. What do I want to choose? Do I see the big picture here? Does this fit in with the big picture? So if you're aimless and you think, oh, I'm quite aimless actually, wisdom will help you plan and prioritize. The wisdom of God helps you to have an agenda. And then lastly, obtain guidance, it says in verse 5. Guidance is a nautical term, comes from a nautical term that means knowledge of the ropes. To We often we, we want guidance externally. You might some people, I've never done this, might go to a horoscope or to a magic eight ball. Or, or sometimes as Christians, we might pray passive prayers. God, will you just direct me on this? I can't be bothered to sort of learn your wisdom. So will you just tell me the way to go? But God's plan is for us is much greater than that. He's a good father. He's not just wanting you to be passive in your growth. He wants you to grow in wisdom so that you know how to make a good decision. So that you know, I, as a Christian, I know God's wisdom. I know how to go in this direction. I know the choice to make, the choice what not to make. I know how to handle situations. Wisdom will give you the tools you need to steer a course. So that's what wisdom is. And then James goes on to say where we can obtain wisdom. Where can we obtain wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom... And I put my hand up. Hopefully we're all aware enough of ourselves to put our hand up here. If you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Seems so obvious, doesn't it? And actually I was you know, studying this this week, and it took me right till the end of the week to realize this is a massive point. This is massive. Because you can brush over it. Let him ask God, who gives generously. Ask God. Why ask God? Because he's the source of all wisdom. If you want a drink, you go to the source. Go to a tap, go to a river. Fill up on from the source. God is the source of all wisdom. He is a good, good father. Proverbs 8 says that wisdom was with God at the creation. It says the Lord possessed me, and this is, Wisdom speaking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there and so on. God brought in the creation of the world with wisdom. Wisdom was there. Wisdom was integral to the creation of the world. He is the source of wisdom. He is where we obtain wisdom. We don't want to rush on from that. And in a moment, we'll talk about worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. But let's just go on in this verse 5. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And again, you can hear James's gives generously to all without reproach. I was on the front row. Jesus was my brother and I didn't see it. He could have easily said, I'm not giving to you. You rejected him. But he's not like that. He gives wisdom generously to all, to including me, 
without reproach. He didn't say, I'm disappointed in you. He says, yeah, come, you're accepted as well. Generously, you know I said go to the source, go to the tap. He's not a tap where you go, the tiny drip out. No, he's a gushing waterfall. He's always giving wisdom. When I go to this book, I find wisdom gushes out of this book. I get my, I, I, I come in with my skewed view and I read this and I get realigned and realize that the wisdom for life is in here. Come to the source. He gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. To a certain extent, we need to realize here as well that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Having this understanding that he is the source, that I need to come to him, that's where wisdom begins. It says in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 9, Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If I miss that and I just think, yeah, I like a bit of what he has to say, but I also like a bit of what my friend has to say about this, and they don't measure up, and then we haven't understood the fear of the Lord. That means the reverence, the awe of God to realize, I come under this. We so easily have this at the side. I'm walking hand in hand with this bit of me, bit of this, or underneath us, I'm above this. We need to say, no, I come under God's word. Under. That's where I will find wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Well, how do we ask for wisdom? James goes on to say, ask in faith. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Now, we need to get what he does mean here, what he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean you're not allowed to question God. We can reason with God. Later on, he says that God, God's wisdom is reasonable. We can ask God. We can go to him. We can talk to him. But what he is saying is, if you ask God for his wisdom and he gives it to you and you go, mm, not sure, then you're not receiving it humbly. You're not receiving it with faith. You're saying, I know better. So we receive with faith. It doesn't say God will stop offering it. It says, how do you expect to receive anything if you close off your heart to it? If you say, I I don't have faith for this. Let him ask in faith. Don't doubt what wisdom is offered to you. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. You won't be able to find strength. Unless you are anchored in something. And God's wisdom is where we can anchor ourselves and find strength. Strength for today, hope for tomorrow, and a clear path in righteousness. God wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. If we are open to just saying, well, a bit of me, a bit of God, and uh, I'm not quite sure about this, then we find ourselves, as we'll find out in a minute, unstable. That man is unstable. Have you ever seen anybody try to get onto a punt? Ever seen punting? The, the cam the came in Cambridge or other places. And if they don't get it quite right, they've got one foot on land, one foot on the punt, and suddenly they realize, I'm not on either. They are separating and I'm in the water. And God's saying, when you ask 
Get in the boat with me. Receive with faith what I'm telling you. Otherwise, you'll find yourself unstable and in the water. And then uh, James goes on to say, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works. Okay, he's talking about conduct and showing works again. It's not cerebral. It's not just I know some stuff. It's what do you put into action will show the wisdom that you hold. If I want to grow in godly wisdom and I know I want to grow in godly wisdom with finance, I will ask someone who displays wisdom in finance. I won't just go to the best teacher. I will go to the person who I can see that person uses their finances in a godly way. Help me with this. Or parenting or fill in the blank. If you want to grow in a godly skill, ask someone who is exhibiting that. You know that person has wisdom in that. We're talking about living in God's wisdom. And he says here, in the meekness of wisdom. And again, meekness, do you know that meekness, a horse gets meeked. Meekness means power or strength under control. The meekness of wisdom is to say, God, you're God and I am not. I come, again, I come under your control. Have you ever seen a horse? I'm scared of horses. I know there are five-year-old girls who aren't scared of horses, but I am scared of horses. They are massive and they are all muscle. And I've seen videos of someone standing a bit too close and getting kicked about 10 feet away. They scare me. And uh, their teeth are massive and all sorts of things. Um, but uh, it's not something that wakes me up at night. But They are powerful, but until they're meeked, you don't know what's going to happen next. But a horse that is meeked, they can make them do ballet. Have you seen in the Olympics? They do tiny little movements with their feet. They can jump at request. It's incredible what power and strength under control looks like. It looks beautiful and it is able to be used well. Wisdom needs to be meeked. The meekness of wisdom. We come under God's word and he produces strength and beauty from it. We're going to look at worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom because James goes on to say, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Okay, so he's talking about worldly wisdom and he goes so far as to say it's demonic. Now, if we go as far as this is, it might sound a bit heavy, but it's completely logical because we looked at how God brought wisdom in at creation. God's wisdom is completely pure. It's from the source. It's completely pure. And when sin came into the world, it polluted his wisdom. So it is a demonic thing if we are worldly wise. It is destruction. It is wrong. It's driven by self. It's not pure. If we look at verse 27 in chapter 1, he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows 
in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Unstained from the world. Worldly wisdom is stained. It's not pure. God's wisdom is pure. It's direct from the source. When we try and add to it, yeah, I like 99.9% of what God has to say, but I think this guy knows a bit better about this issue. So I'm going to add that and stir it into the mix. As soon as we do that, God's wisdom is polluted. We've added worldly wisdom, and we get unstable. We may have thought, well, I I read this great article on Facebook that someone directed me to, or I went to this other church, and it's not quite what the Bible says, but it seems so right. It maybe seems so just. How could it be wrong? I know it's not what the Bible says. And as soon as we start to do that, we start to stir in pollution to God's perfect wisdom. So we see that wisdom that is worldly is driven by self. It's selfish. Can I add what I'm comfortable with? Can I add what I like, what I want to pursue? Can I get? Whereas he goes on to say, the wisdom from above is first pure. So it is pure. It's untainted. It's perfect. It's right, as we've been talking about. Then peaceable. It is for unity. For others, it doesn't stir up, but it calms, it loves, it wins. He's a good father. He's for your good. He's for your benefit. He's for your growth. I think when I read this, I was thinking of when my little boy doesn't like what I direct him with and gets upset or angry. Even yesterday, we were leaving the house, wants to take Lego with him. I said, "Uh, no, we're not taking that with you because I want you to have that. And if we go with it, it won't come back. Most of it will probably get lost and so on. And, of course, he's frustrated and angry and stamps his foot and snorts. And I say, go and sit on the step. He goes and sit on the step. And then I say to him, hey, does your dad love you? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Does your dad want the best for you? Yes. Well, you're going to have this toy when you get home. Trust me, I'm for you. And I'm peaceable, I'm for his heart, I'm winning him. And God's wisdom is not, do what I say now or else. And I know I've done that with my son and it doesn't produce, okay dad, it produces, don't talk to me like that. But God is peaceable and gentle, he's winsome, he's for me. His wisdom is gentle and for us and even says open to reason. Not dictating, not harsh or unloving, but open to, but dad, I don't understand. I say to to my son, talk to me. If he's sitting there grumpy and frustrated with what I'm saying, talk to me. Dad, I just wanted to make that one bit before we went, okay, you you finish that off and we're we're not taking it with us. But I still want to take it. Okay, I'm still saying we're not going to take it. But he knows he can talk to me. And I don't shut him down. And I feel like there are some people here who would say, God, if I, uh, he would love to hear prayers like this. God, if, if I, I know you don't want me to do X, Y, or Z, but I want to. I think that if I stop sleeping with my boyfriend, he might break up with me. God, and he would love to hear your heart speak to him and reason with him about his wisdom. And he will win you through to his wisdom. He doesn't just say, I'm watching you and I'm disappointed. He says, I want to win you with reason to my wisdom. And he's full of mercy, 
Not immediately condemning, but lovingly convicting. For your good, for my good. His wisdom is full of mercy. There are two sides that I've seen of this. Choices that I chose when I was stupid, when I went my own way, and the destruction and the pain that came out of this. And then people I see now, I think of two people that we often have at our house, and they're choosing not my friend's way, not the world's way, not my lecturer's way, but Jesus' way. And I'm excited because I think you're going to bear such fruit. This is a mercy on your life. This is a mercy that you've understood God is to be trusted, and he will bring, as it says next, good fruits. Oh, the fruits. And again, you can hear James in this saying he's full of mercy. His wisdom's full of mercy. He could have condemned me, but he's not. He convicts me and brings me around to his wisdom. And then he's impartial. He doesn't say not for you, but yes for you. He says yes, open to all and sincere. It's really true. You might say, Tim, I get the wisdom part, but to be honest, I don't know whether it can be trusted. James finishes sincere. It can be trusted. God's wisdom can be trusted. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. He will lead you in paths of righteousness where you'll grow to be more like Jesus, where you'll see winning at life. I am winning at life. I am finding fruit. There's a harvest in me of righteousness. And there's also another harvest of righteousness possible where others will see your wisdom. And they'll say, what is it with you? Why didn't you react to that person the way that most people would react? How come you went through that trial that I would have, it would have killed me and you seem to live through it well? Why don't you come out and get drunk with the rest of us? And they will see your righteousness, your wisdom, and you could win other people to the kingdom of God and there could be a harvest of righteousness as you choose his way and not your own. That is what we look for with wisdom from above. Just finally, I want to say, I can't do this. Many of you may be sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, I get it, do it God's way, but I try and do it God's way and I keep messing up. Well, I would say I'm in that boat with you. I can't do this. The more I look at Proverbs, the more I realize I'm more like the fool than the wise man. And to be honest, Solomon himself couldn't do this. Solomon, the one who asked for wisdom and received wisdom later on, turned away from his own advice, went away from God, went and drank the wisdom of the world, to get his fill of what he could. He couldn't even do it. We need someone else who can do it. Isaiah prophesied that one would come and the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight would be in the fear of the Lord. He lived a life of obedience to God's instruction. Righteousness, justice, prudence, and discretion came from him. He was wisdom incarnate. Jesus was wisdom personified. He never deviated from the path of wisdom. He even went to the cross saying, Father, not my way, not my selfish ambition, but your way. Displaying wisdom right through to the end. Your way. I come under you to the cross. To death on a cross. He took the consequences of our foolishness upon himself. One wise man took the place of many fools. 
so that we could be forgiven. And even more than that, that we could be changed and molded and brought into his image. He wants to make us like himself. He wants us in his image. Discipleship, what we aim for is walking with Jesus, learning what he's about, trusting him. Responding to him with faith and gratitude, obedience, trust and delight. As you see Jesus more and more as wisdom incarnate, you begin to grow in wisdom. You begin to make choices that trust he's for my good. He knows better than I do. And the more you grow in that, you realize it's not just cold instruction, but it's a father's loving guidance. This is the paradox of the Bible with wisdom. The wise person is the one who realizes he's been a fool and so needs help and forgiveness. The foolish person is the one who thinks he's wise and so never gets the help he needs. Which one are you going to be today? Which one do you want to be going forward? You want to be wise and say, I got it wrong, actually. I need to know this Jesus I get it wrong often. I need to follow Jesus' wisdom, God's wisdom. Or are you more likely to say, I don't really need this. I get it. We go back to Jesus again and again for mercy, forgiveness, and wise instruction. And we get discipled by him. We grow in him. We win at life. We understand what life is for. Let's just pray together. And then we're going to sing, God, I look to you. Father, we thank you for your wisdom that you give us through your word. Thank you that you gave us wisdom incarnate through your son. Thank you we know forgiveness for our sins. We know there is hope for wisdom, for a bright future in him. You may be in your seat thinking, I've never responded to this wisdom. And it's time for me to say, I'm lost in my own wisdom and I need a better wisdom one that's outside of me. And uh, you can do that today. If you want to respond, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if it's for you, if you're there thinking, I need to respond to God's wisdom for the first time, I need to respond to Jesus, then you can do that with me now. You can speak to me afterwards saying you did it. I'd love to pray with you. There may be others of you who would love to just go to the prayer area and pray that God would help you make good decisions and trust him and follow him in everyday life. I want to pray that prayer that if you'd like to respond to Jesus for the first time. Father God, thank you for loving me. I acknowledge that I've been a fool, thinking that I knew better than you do. I thank you that you sent Jesus who was never a fool and took my punishment on the cross so that I could be forgiven and start on the path of wisdom and righteousness. Pray for your forgiveness. I trust you with the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.